It's amazing how quickly things can happen in the NFL. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Vikings were the talk of the NFL. Josh Jobs might have been the best story in the NFL, and they were gunning for first place in the division and a playoff spot. Two weeks later, they're on a two-game losing streak. They are considering a quarterback change. John, the Minnesota Vikings at this moment are closer to last place in the NFC North than they are to first place. It uh, doesn't mean they're going to end up tanking uh, or falling apart. They have fairly easy schedule still. Uh, they have Justin Jefferson coming back. There are reasons for optimism, but man, it feels different than it did t- just two weeks ago. It did. It does, especially, Jim, like the opponents that they're losing to. I know Denver's playing really well right now, but that was an unbelievably winnable game. And then they go out on a Monday night and lose to Chicago and the bears played terribly, just terribly for most of the game. Like it's not that it's not that something happened where Justin Fields just got hot and was rolling and, and they, and the momentum was too much and the Vikings couldn't, couldn't catch up. It was the bears played awful football and still managed to win. And so that really colors how you look at where the team is right now. I I try as best I can to avoid swinging wildly on the pendulum week to week in the NFL season. It's very easy to get into. You win a game, you're never going to lose again. You lose a game, you're never going to win again. But um, in this case, with these last two performances, uh, it does feel like less like a little blip and more like a uh oh has the rest of the league figured out what the Vikings are trying to do with Josh Dobbs and is this sort of the beginning of the end of that fairy tale right now? That's kind of the way it feels. Yes, and I feel like Josh Dobbs was probably better as as cool a story as it was him coming in midweek and, and coming in the, in Atlanta and winning that game and then starting the next week and winning that as cool that, as that story was, I almost wonder if Josh Dobbs is better in those situations, throw him in there, take a read or two. If it's not there, run around, make something happen. Then he was this last week trying to run Kevin O'Connell's full offense where you make three, four reads and you better get rid of the ball fairly quickly while making those reads. It, it feels like him running a conventional offense uh, after a week of planning and after a defensive coordinator has had a chance to dissect his tendencies, it might not be the right role for him. He, this might be why he's an NFL backup. It, it, it certainly could be because what I was hoping for and, and, and seeing and, and talking about after game one, after the the Atlanta heroics is like, hey, look what he did with no chance to study. And what's going to happen when you put this rocket scientist into the meeting rooms with the coaches, with the with his teammates for weeks on end? And when he gets more familiarity with this offense, what's going to happen? I kind of was assuming that, hey, the more understanding that he gains the more feel for what Kevin O'Connell wants the the more um you know kind of precise that he's going to be in the offense and that things are really going to start to click in and instead it's kind of gone the opposite way it seems like there's more confusion on his part it seems like he's having difficulty you know 
reading them where the pressure is coming from, understanding where the outlets are. Um, he he is when he is being asked to like run the Vikings offense that isn't going well when he was just thrown into the fire and said hey kid just go get him and see what you can do and he was playing more off of his instincts that's when you saw a more dangerous Josh Dobbs and so I think this bye week is going to be very interesting to see like what the Vikings identify as the reasons for the regression over the last couple of weeks because uh one is like yeah certainly Dobbs decision making was not very good against the Bears I was also puzzled by O'Connell's game plan for him like it seemed like there was not a whole lot of uh, room for him to improvise for him to take off and run for him to use like that, some of that athleticism, it seemed like a much more classic Kirk Cousinsy st- drop back style of game plan, yep. which I don't think plays into Josh Dobbs' strengths either. So um, they've got a lot to hammer out here in the bye week and, and and a lot to try to figure out because the what you thought was going to happen was that Dobbs was going to get better and better the more he was around this organization, and it's actually gone the opposite direction. It definitely has. Let's get into the quarterback decision facing Kevin O'Connell. This is the Viking Update Show. He's John Krasinski from The Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from Star Tribune. Brandon Morton is our producer. This is Talk North. Uh, This is one of our two Viking shows at Talk North. The other is Vikings and NFL Insider with Jeff Diamond, the former Vikings general manager. Of course, we also have the John Krasinski Show, our great show on the Timberwolves here. We have all the sports covered. We have all kinds of outdoor content, specialty content, variety content. Check out talknorth.com. If you like a show, subscribe at your favorite podcast app. It's the easiest way to listen. It's also free. We want to thank our many sponsors. We are coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio. Thanks to Aquarius Home Services. Thanks to Twill in the Edina Galleria, twillmn.com, TSR Injury Law, Star Bank, Tuttles, and Manscaped. Yes, you will get a world-famous John Krasinski Manscaped read here on the Viking Update show. Uh, thanks to everyone who listens. We do appreciate it. And by the way, my band is playing Saturday night at Blix, downtown Minneapolis, celebrating the birthdays of Don Mitchell and Jerry Holt, the great Star Tribune photographer. Drop by, have a beer, hang out with us if you can. So after the game, it sounded like O'Connell had considered using Mullins during the game, and it sounded to me like he was considering bringing in Jaron Hall as the starter in Vegas a week from Sunday. Monday, I'm not sure he was as clear in – and maybe didn't want to be clear. Uh, it sounded like maybe he was leaning more toward Mullins if he replaces Dobbs, but it didn't sound like he was ready to make a decision or at least announce one. Where do you think this is all going in the short term? Yeah, I, like I, I think that the sort of uh, lack of clarity or you know the different answers that we got on Sunday, or on Monday versus Tuesday – are indicative of like uh, a, a process that does not have a clear cut answer right now. Um, one thing that I'm wondering about Jim is Justin Jefferson's coming back in Vegas. Do you give Josh Dobbs one more chance with Jefferson and see if that makes a difference for him? And if that kind of, 
gives him another weapon to use um, and, and takes a little more pressure off of him and, and, and makes the defense really focus on that. And does that make things easier for Josh Dobbs? Because when I look at the skill sets of Dobbs, Mullins, and Jaron Hall, I, I like Dobbs' skill set over the other two. Um, his ability to run, he throws a decent deep ball. It's just about the decision-making. It's about dissecting defenses. It's it's about all of those things. And so um, I don't know which way he's going to go, but like I, I kind of, in my heart of hearts, want to see Dobbs with Jefferson at least one more time because I'm not sure that Mullins or Hall is going to be just markedly better right away than Dobbs is. And, and so I think the ceiling is a little higher on Josh Dobbs. Um, if, if you can get it all to come together, if not, then you got to go somewhere else. And maybe it might be hall because he played really well in the Atlanta game before he got hurt and, and showed some glimmers of being able to move the offense. And so, um, you know, my, 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 decision i'm sure kevin o'connell is listening to this over the bye week and of course and try, trying to make the decision is i would start with dobbs one more time and if it doesn't work if he turns the ball over and makes a silly play or bad decision early in the game then you take him out and you put jaron hall in and go from there and see what you have yeah i i think i've seen enough of dobbs i would like to see hall start and dobbs be the backup i think he can actually thrive as a backup come in make some plays uh, with, you know, and again, a strict, uh, kind of a streamlined uh, play call sheet. Mullins, I just think is kind of your classic NFL backup. I wouldn't be real excited to see him. But <laughs> the thing is, whether it's your idea, start Dobbs and you have Hall in reserve, or start it's my idea, start Hall and you have Dobbs in reserve. The reality is we have no idea, even if once O'Connell chooses a starter, if that person will get past the first half. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um Especially, I think this is the tenuousness of the offense right now. Um, and I like I, the, the thing that I want to get to the bottom of that we're just probably never going to publicly, but is in, in Kevin O'Connell's heart of hearts, was the game plan against the Bears as drop back oriented as it looked or was Dobbs not taking options or opportunities that were built in there um, for him to be more creative. And um, because if it, it, it felt sort of like, I mean, this is different, but sort of remember in the, the, the Packers, the, the game, uh, the playoff game, Vikings Packers ponder gets hurt. Joe Webb goes in and Leslie Frazier's staff made Joe Webb a drop back passer. And you just looked at him like, what are you doing here? Like, why are, why is he not running the ball more? Why isn't he, why isn't there putting more pressure on that way? Now, I don't think they needed to go full Joe Webb with Josh Dobbs. I don't think he needs to be running the ball 25 times a game or anything like that, but I think if they look over the buy and say, hey, maybe there are some things that we can do game plan wise that put Dobbs in a little bit better position to use all of his talents, I would like to see that. Um, I just think that 
what we saw from Dobbs against the Bears was like, not only did he make poor decisions and he make bad throws and, you know, the miss to Jordan Addison, like all of the, you know, there was plenty of tape out there for him to say, you know, to say, okay, yep, um, this guy doesn't have it. But all of that explosiveness, all of that dynamic play in the Falcons and Saints games, we just didn't see any opportunity for him to, to replicate that um, in, in, in this game. And so I would like, if I'm the Vikings, that's what I would try to do is I, I, I would try to find a little bit more of that sprinkle in Jefferson and see if that's kind of an elixir to this, you know, this two game slide that we've seen from Dobbs. I really do think that Kevin O'Connell got to a point where he's like, okay, Dobbs is in the system. Now he can run my offense. And yes. I don't think he can. I don't think he can either. And, and one, the one, one really telling thing from his post game remarks, Kevin O'Connell's post game remarks is he got, he ended up getting more conservative as the game went on with the turnovers mm-hmm. that came. And he said like, and on that last series where they went three and out before uh, the bears got the ball back and, and drove down the field. Uh, he said that something that was in the back of his mind was I can't risk another turnover by, um, you know, it, by, by trying to kind of dial up something. And essentially he didn't trust Josh Dobbs to not turn the ball over and put the defense in an even worse spot than they did by going three and out and having a, a, a bad punt by Ryan, Wright. So he's clearly lost the confidence and the trust in him. But I just like I, I wonder if I, I wonder if it is as as apparent as it seems to the naked eye that he is trying to get Josh Dobbs to run an offense that was built around Kirk Cousins, you know, and and just like his throwing and arm talent versus any kind of mobility, or if O'Connell is being more creative and Dobbs is just not taking advantage of that I don't know the answer to it but I hope it's not the former Jim because if this is a case of O'Connell having a system and just putting any quarterback that you have into that system I think that's a bad bad indicator of coaching you have to be able to adapt on the fly you have to be able to to tailor your game plans to your um, to the differing skill sets and if that's the case he's doing Josh Dobbs a disservice by trying to get him uh, to square peg round hole it with a cousins type of offense. That is true. One more note on this part of the conversation, you bring up the Joe Webb game. And if you remember, as I was in the press box for that game, the first drive, it was all read. It was all option. Yes. Football. Yeah. They went right down the field, right? It was, it yeah. was Webb and, and, uh, and Adrian Peterson and the Packers had no answer for it, much like the Packers that one playoff game really had no answer for Colin Kaepernick's running either. Uh, Joe Webb and Adrian Peterson went right down the field. I think they called a pass on a third down. They didn't convert it. They ended up settling for a field goal. But I felt like if they had run it on third down, they probably would have made it and scored a touchdown. Yes. A- and after that first drive, after proving that the Packers could not stop their running game, they went back to conventional offense and asked Joe Webb to be Kirk Cousins, basically, and – it was a disaster. It was an absolute disaster. And I love Leslie Frazier, and yep. uh, and I thought he did a lot of good things here, but I thought that was 
if that was one of, and, and it wasn't, you know, it might have, maybe it was Bill Musgrave, maybe he just let the offensive coordinators handle that whole thing. But I thought that was, uh, that was coaching malpractice in that one instance. Totally was. Yep. And I, I, I am the same mind toward Leslie Frazier. Like I love him. I think a you know, great leader, like just unbelievable human being and did a great job with that team, getting them to the playoffs with no quarterback and with Adrian Peterson as the MVP. Um, but there was just no answer for why they went about it that way in the playoffs. Now I think Kevin O'Connell is much and Wes Phillips. They're much more capable, much more um, in tune offensive minds than Bill Musgrave was um, in that situation. So it, it's, it's almost hard for me to believe that they would be so dogmatic and that they would, you know, be rather stubborn and be like, nope, this is the offense we're running and it doesn't matter who our quarterback is. This, this is what we're going to do. That doesn't make sense to me. So I want to leave open the, the possibility that there are, there are options available to Dobbs. There are, there are things built in that he is just either not seeing or not being able to exploit. And, and that's the answer for it, which would again, then be more of an argument for going to Jaron Hall coming out of the bye um, and, and seeing what he can do. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Let's, let's, I think you're making an effort to characterize this Mm -hmm. conversation the proper way. We don't know what really happened, we are trying to figure it out right. from the outside. Yep. And it, it could have been O'Connell saying, run my offense the way I want it run with Kirk Cousins in there. It could have been Josh Dobbs thinking, you know, if I can prove I can run Kirk uh, this offense, yes. I might have a long-term deal here. Absolutely. Yep. Like there, there could absolutely be that um, because part of it too that we don't know – the first two weeks, Josh Dobbs was the bell of the ball. Like he was the biggest story in the NFL practically for what he was doing, coming, come parachuting in and using all this magic to, to stabilize the Vikings and, and playing so well, maybe a little bit went to his head. Maybe, yeah, maybe he, maybe he took umbrage to, any characterization of being a you know a running quarterback and wants to show and prove that he's a pocket guy and uh, yeah maybe he looks at how how what is my best path to securing a long term deal? It's being able to stand back in the pocket, pick people apart down the field. Um, maybe that's all it. There's a lot of things we don't know about that could be factoring into this. Um, but one thing that we do know for sure is that the way that he played in that offense is not going to work. Like that's just, that's not his game. That's not going to be the Vikings game with Dobbs there. Um, So changes have to happen. Either the way that he is utilized, his approach to, uh, to play in that position or the guy who is called, who is playing that position. Like one of those three things has to change for the Vikings to, stabilize and get back, you know, get kind of, they're not out of the playoff picture, but just kind of get some of their mojo back. 
Viking Update show is coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studios, thanks to Aquarius Home Services. Football, eating chili, and cool, crisp air. You gotta love fall, and it gets better. Aquarius has extended their Connecticut fall blowout sale to November 18th. That means 25% off the world's most efficient water treatment system. Enjoy spotless dishes, shiny fixtures, and purified drinking water. As your independent authorized Connecticut dealer, Aquarius is here to make your water worries go away. Enjoy 25% off and schedule your free water analysis today at KineticoMN.com. Aquarius, earning the right to be recommended. Remember the website, TwillMN.com. T-W-I-L-L-M-N.com. That's Twill in the Adina Galleria. That's where I buy all my clothes. When I don't buy clothes there, my wife will go buy clothes for me to wear because she loves the way it makes me look. And it's hard to make me look good and Twill succeeds. And I had kind of classic Twill experiences in the last couple of weeks as the weather changed to cold Minnesota, I was lucky enough to go on vacation to a warm place with my wife. So I'm on vacation. I am wearing uh, Peter Millar and Johnny O golf shirts and shorts, uh, comfortable, you know, in, in bright, sunny weather. I come home and the first thing I do is start wearing clothes I got from Twill uh, in cold environments. One challenge for me is somebody who's only lived here for 33 years and isn't a full, doesn't get any credit for being a full-fledged Minnesotan because I'm not. It's only been You're 33 not. years. It's only 33 years. I'm, right. I'm so far away from ever getting my membership card here. But the big one of the biggest challenges I had when I moved here, not knowing how to dress in cold weather was, how can you stay warm without looking like the Stave Puffed Marshmallow Man? Twill can help with that. They can give they, You can buy clothes that keep you warm on the coldest winter days, and it still looks sleek. It looks stylish. Uh, they have all kinds of great, you know, I, I Brax pants. I mean, I could I could read off all the brands that they have there. It's better if you just go there. Uh, you'll have a great shopping experience. Everybody in there is a sports fan. Uh, it's very casual. Nobody's going to bug you. You can kind of just browse. But you'll find clothes that will keep you warm that will look really good. So twillmn.com. You can check them out online, but I highly recommend just going to the dining gallery, especially in the winter. It's a great place to walk around. Good restaurants, good food. Uh, a bookstore, which I love. And then there's Twill and you will find something for yourself or for the man in your life, twillmn.com. Also want to thank TSR Injury Law, longtime sponsor of this show and the John Krasinski Show. Just remember 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. If you're injured, call that number. They will take care of you. They will not charge you unless they win your case and they win a lot of cases. All right, let's get back to the Vikings here. This is probably isn't the most important topic this week, but I am int- intrigued by it. I think just when a lot of us thought, okay, it's Ty Chandler's time, Alexander Madison has not done the job. I feel like Alexander Madison, Madison's probably had his two best games running the ball the last couple of weeks. And Ty Chandler on Monday night uh, didn't do much, and he had one play, swing pass to the left, one guy to beat for a first down, and he didn't even really make much of a dramatic move on the, the tackler, did not get the first down. I was a little disappointed. I thought that was the game Ty Chandler could break through, and he didn't didn't really do it. And not a lot of touches, but he also didn't do much with them. Yeah, no, it, it was it, – it, it, we got to a point, I don't know, maybe the third quarter, Jim, or early fourth, where I was saying to Alec Lewis, who's sitting next to me, my colleague at The Athletic, I was just like – they got to just give the ball to Alexander Madison. Like, yeah. Because uh, he was, what, averaging five, six yards a carry, um, yep. was really playing well, and yet it did seem like the Vikings were kind of more hell-bent on getting something going in the passing game, and 
And yeah, Chandler just did not have the same juice, the same energy that has been apparent and palpable when he's usually been stepping on the on the field of late. And um, we we had a lot of conversation among us and on, you know, reporters in the press box before the game about who was going to start. Was it going to be Madison or was it going to be Chandler? I thought that, you know, I thought I took I said Madison would start, um, but I thought that it was very real possibility that Chandler got the more the bulk of the carries and what we saw in, instead was was Madison being the workhorse being the hard running grinded out player in a physical game um and Chandler just not really matching the same intensity and the same kind of juice that that they needed from him so um there's just there's got to be a reason that the coaching staff has continued to stay with Madison. I think one is um, his mastery of the offense. He knows where to be um, when, you know, in the right spots, his pass blocking, I think is a little better than Chandler's, but then just the consistency, like, you know, what you're going to get, I think from Alexander Madison, for the most part, Chandler certainly has a higher ceiling, but maybe even a little bit lower floor. And it just seemed like the Vikings didn't really trust the boom and the bust sort of nature of Chandler's game in comparison to just what Madison was giving them from a plow horse nature and just getting five, six yards of pop every, every time to the point where it's just like, Hey, maybe, maybe that needs to be the focal point right now and not Josh Dobbs, you know, dropping back and, and, th- and, you know, throwing deflected passes into the arms of the bears defenders. Right. And, you know, I said this before the 49ers game is one of the reasons I thought they had a chance to compete against the 49ers is this should be a good running team. Uh, you have two powerhouse tackles. Ingram is probably a better run blocker than pass blocker, although I will admit he is he does seem to have played better lately. Um, you know, Reisner loves run blocking. Josh Oliver is an excellent run blocker. You have C.J. Hamm who can run block. Um, and Madison, I think, is doing a better job second half of the season than the first of picking holes and not just running into the back of the offensive lineman nearest to him. So uh, I really, I, Kevin O'Connell is a passing coach. That is the way it is. Sean McVay is a passing coach. They want to run the ball to keep people honest. They don't really want to win games by running the ball, but this might be a good time to see how well the running game can do if you really commit to it. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that the, the, he was Kevin O'Connell. I think they ran 22 plays in the first half, right? I mean, it was, it, they couldn't get anything going right. offensively. And I, I felt like that there was enough evidence that they were finding some success in the running game with Madison to kind of stick with it a little bit more. Um, and, and so I, it's never going the thing with this running game as currently constructed with if if Madison is your guy, it's not going to be one that produces huge chunk plays that um you know Madison bursts through the line of scrimmage and goes for 45 yards. Um that's not going to be it. But it seemed like they had a bit of a recipe in the Bears game for five yards, six yards, third and short, you know, six yards, second and, and, and four, which gives you so many more options for play calls. And 
Um, I'm not exactly sure just why they they stuck with the 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 passing game so much, other than what you said, Jim, is that Kevin O'Connell's a passing coach. Like that's the way that he believes offense is the most dangerous and most effective. He has had a lot of success with offense that way, but in that particular game, uh, with the way that they were running the ball, um, it just seemed like the 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 path forward. And then the one the one time that they kind of went back to it is when they were went super conservative, and the Bears actually knew what was coming, and so there was no room for for Madison to run or Chandler to run, and so they got a little bit too predictable, and um, and I think that really hurt them in the game. No doubt about it. Uh, one thing we're finding out, whether it's at the quarterback position, the running back position, it's really hard to be good week after week in the NFL. And that's why they pay the good ones a lot of money because they're hard to replace. We're seeing how hard the quarterback position is right now. We're seeing how hard it is to be a good running back every week in the NFL. Uh, and you know who's been good every week this year? Daniil Hunter. Mm. Uh, he... Rob Brzezinski is going to have a really interesting challenge this winter. They're probably going to want to re-sign Kirk Cousins. They're going to try to get the Justin Jefferson deal done, and they're going to have to sign Christian Darrisaw, and I think they're going to have to sign Daniil Hunter. Uh, so you know, <laughs> I think we're going to have a, a very uh, two-tiered system in that locker room by the time we get to next season. You're going to have about a handful of really rich people and a bunch of guys playing for not much money. Rob has made a career out of doing the thing that you think there's no way he can do that. Like he can't, yeah, he can't pay this guy. He can't, they, they don't have enough money for this. They don't have much money for that. Um, and he just finds a way. So if anyone can do it, it's him. But, um, Daniil Hunter has maybe been the best defensive player in the league this year, or certainly the best, been great. um, edge rusher, you know, that at his position, and so he does it all quietly, right? Like um, he he's not Micah Parsons. He's not a Bosa brother. He's not Miles Garrett um, in terms of just being more noticed out there, I think, in the national conversation. But he's been phenomenal. And I don't see how this team can continue to build a defense that has made such great strides from last season without Daniil Hunter going forward because everything you do as a defensive uh, team builder is try to find a dominant edge rusher, number one, and a shutdown corner, number two. Like Those are the two key things. They do not have a shutdown corner, um, and if they let their dominant edge rusher go, now you got to find another one. And that's really hard to do, not just find one, but find like someone who is on a hall of fame pace from production wise, like, and someone who has overcome the injuries that he's been through and is fully, fully back to what he was. And so <laughs> how they do that, I don't know. Um, I, you know, I'm not sure what they're going to be. Yeah. Maybe they go with maybe they can sign Daniel Hunter and then you have a bunch of league minimum guys at linebacker and safety. And that's just what you have to do. But um, I don't see a world where this defense improves next year 
and takes the next step from the big one they've made this year without Daniil Hunter on it. I agree. He's been great, and it's time to just lock him down because he's great. He's healthy. Uh, I, I'm guessing he's going to stay in pretty good shape since he is built. Like, I mean, I, I haven't seen many. I've been covering professional sports a long time. I've not seen many human beings built like Daniil Hunter. No, uh, he is a remarkable athlete, a remarkable worker. Uh, he's he's a leader. He's he's you know he's never made his. Uh, salary disputes with the team into a public problem. Uh, he's he's ideal. He's ideal. They, they need to keep him around. Uh, hey, I want to let you know that big banks aren't the only ones with mobile apps and convenient financial services. I'd like to tell you about StarBank. StarBank is an independent community bank in Minnesota. They're family-owned and treat customer relationships as a top priority. You're not a customer number at StarBank, and they have no call center. It's just banking how it should be, a throwback to the good days. Mobile app check, convenient services, you got it. Check out StarBank for yourself. For deposits and lending solutions, work with a local community bank that cares. StarBank.net, member FDIC and equal housing lender. Uh, we also want you to hear John Krasinski's famous Manscaped ad. Here it is. Merry Ballsmas from our friends over at Manscaped. The holidays are approaching, but what if I told you that the celebrations are starting early this year? It turns out that the perfect gift does exist. And who else to bring it down your chimney than the leaders and below-the-waist grooming? Keep calm and let your balls jingle this season with Manscaped's brand new performance package, 5.0 Ultra, featuring the new Lawnmower 5.0. Watch all your wishes and mistletoe kisses come true. Look nice when you're going naughty by going to manscaped.com and use the code ATHLETIC for 20% off and free shipping. Unwrap the gift of smoothness this season with Manscaped. Manscaped's Performance Package 5.0 Ultra is the ultimate bundle for the man who deserves it all. Included in this special sack is the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, the Weed Whacker 2.0 Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, and Manscaped's Liquid Formulations, and two free gifts. Starting with Santa's number one helper, we have the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. The fifth generation trimmer features two next-gen blade heads, a standard trimmer blade for taking a little off the top, and a new foil blade to go for that smooth finish wherever your heart desires. Now that you've groomed the candy cane, it's time to make sure you don't smell like a reindeer with the Crop Soother Aftershave Lotion and Crop Preserver Anti-Chafe Ball Deodorant. Once they touch your sack, you'll never go back. The gift of Manscaped doesn't stop there. This bundle comes with two free gifts, Manscaped's Boxers 2.0 Premium Underwear and the Shed 2.0 Toiletry Bag. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code athletic at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code athletic. Also, I want to thank Tuttles for putting on so many of our live shows. Tuttles, a great place to bowl, dine, listen to music, hang out. Check out Tuttles. Tuttles is your Vikings headquarters for the best football party. They have great game day specials on Miller Lite and Coors Light Tap Beer. Tall stadium cups for just 5 bucks. Plus $5 food specials, including brats, hot dogs, jumbo sloppy joes, and pulled pork sandwiches. If pizza's your thing, get 5 bucks off any large pizza. Tuttles has cool game day giveaways, too, including a free number board with your chance to win a $100 gift card. Take in all the Viking game food, fun, and festivities at Tuttles. Tuttles Bar and Grill in Hopkins. Go Vikes! So Josh Metellus, we were talking about how you put together a roster while you're paying incredible sums to a handful of your best players. One of the formulas for doing that is have a defensive coordinator like Brian Flores who can take Josh Metellus and turn him into a really good starting defender when before he was considered just kind of a, a 
a wild card special teamer. Man, what a what a player. Yeah. Um, you know, he just is always around the ball. He always finds a way to be in the middle of the action. And um, you know, he's he went to Michigan. I I I I tweeted out on uh, during the game. I was like, it's like he knows what plays are coming before <laughs> before they before they arrive. And uh, uh, that's not a Wolverine shot. I actually like the Wolverines. So, uh, but but yeah, like, I I couldn't resist uh, making that little joke because he just he's always just right around where things need to be. And you're right, like having a guy like that be as productive and kind of at one of the lead playmakers of the defense. Like it's him. That's the one that's right around knocking footballs out. Um, that, that, that's forcing fumbles. That's that, that are, that creating turnovers. Like he's been incredibly valuable and being able to sort of do multiple things, be versatile, uh, really good, really good player. Um, you look at him, you look at Ivan pace, you look at a few guys that are getting a lot of snaps, on that defense and you know they're giving bang for the buck which is absolutely what they need and will especially need going forward if they if they're gonna break the bank for daniel hunter and anthony barr is about to become the josh dobbs of the defense right how about that i mean um didn't you know he recovered the fumble right and uh um there was some sort of poetry that seemed to be there of like anthony barr finding a way to make a play in a game that they needed against a division opponent, that would have been a fitting kind of conclusion if, um, if they did, but uh, I, I watch him play and what a remarkable career that he had. Um, unbelievable. He doesn't move like the old Anthony Barr. Like that's just that, that those days are gone. Um, if he can use his instincts to, to, to fall on a ball and be in the right place at the right time. Great. Uh, but putting him out there for more than a, you know, 20 snaps. I, I just don't think is an option for these guys. No, I don't think so. It's, it's a cool story. It's fun to have very him cool. around a uh, very smart player and great Vikings history, but uh, yeah, yeah. Spot duty is probably what's going to work mm -hmm. for him. Uh, let's do some picks here. We don't have a Vikings game to pick this week. So we're going to talk about other division games as a way of talking about the division as a whole. Uh, Detroit. And I know, I know they're playing. Okay, I just <laughs> that, absolutely. Blanked. Jim, you just, you just like, I, I kind of had to chuckle because Detroit. That's the that's that's the statement, and it, like for years, that all that brought was like bile from Laughter. your stomach all, all up, and uh, yeah, and now they're in the middle of it. But man, that Packer game was disappointing. That was, and and here's what I was trying to say: Detroit goes to New Orleans this week. It's a game they probably should win, but after watching the way they played against the Packers, now you wonder because you know. Just like we're talking about, you know, Dobbs and, and people who fill in and how hard it is to do it every week. Now the Lions are finding out for the first time in a long time what it's like to be a team that people gun for. The Packers mm -hmm. gun for them. And now they're going to go play in a difficult place. This is a great test of their maturity and mental toughness, which I know they think they have. Now we're going to find out if they really have it because they are in a position now just to lock up the division and run away with it and maybe even compete for a first seed. But they're going to have to play a lot better than they did last week. Detroit at New Orleans, who do you like? I do like Detroit. Um, I think that sometimes good teams need a, a, a sort of wake-up call um, to, to kind of snap them back into focus. And, and I think at 8-2, and two, 
going into Thursday, Thanksgiving, kind of just expecting to win. Maybe, maybe they were feeling themselves a little bit. And so I do think the coaching staff there, which is very good, will get them back on task and beat a Saints team that I just really don't think all that highly of. I mean, they're okay. They're five and six. They're just okay. Um, so I, th- I think that they, they will bounce back, but it will be interesting to see like how they really handle the spotlight over this whole last month. This is a wholly new to that franchise, that organization. And, um, I could see it being a, a situation where, Hey, this is a lot. And, and they sort of fly a little cl- too close to the sun, but I, 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 I trust Dan Campbell and that group to get kind of get back on task and win that game. I agree with you. Uh, Kansas City at Green Bay, the Sunday night game this week. Green Bay showing some signs of life. Uh, Kansas City, it's it's very interesting to see this team. They really aren't blowing anybody out. They're finding enough ways to win enough games, but they aren't really impressive. And their defense is good. Uh, they're running the ball pretty well. They still have Kelsey. Maybe Rice is going to be the key for them on the outside because they just haven't made – until this last week, they just weren't making plays on the outside for Mahomes. Maybe if Rice gets going, they become that scary team again. So Kansas City at Green Bay, who do you like? Yeah, I mean, like uh, Jordan Love has really looked good the last few weeks. Uh, you know, you and I talked about him um, a little earlier in the season and just like looked like, hey, this guy is not it. Like they – they don't have their guy. They got to go find someone else. Maybe that still is the case, but at least he's giving them a little bit of something to think about over these last few games and the throws that he's making and the way that he's kind of uh, getting the Packers back into the mix in the NFC. Um, certainly at home, that's a good thing. But, um, you know, you, you said all of the right things about Kansas City in terms of a lack of playmaking on the edges in the, in the offense. Um, you know, some sort of some kind of inconsistencies that we've seen from them, an inability to blow teams out the way that they have in the past. And yet they're eight and three. They just figure it out. And um, I, I think that Patrick Mahomes is starting to find some solutions to uh, how to keep the chains moving and score points when you don't have Tyreek Hill, when you don't have um you know, some of the some of the more veteran receivers that are reliable targets for you. Um, and so I just trust Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid to keep figuring things out against Jordan Love, uh, against the Packers. So I think they're going to go in and win that game. Yep. And one uh, just non-divisional game I'm interested in, San Francisco at Philadelphia. Philadelphia coming off a very emotional, draining win at home against Buffalo, where they really had to sell out. San Francisco is just kind of just they, the Vikings caught them during a lull. They look like they're rolling again. That's kind of the premier game on Sunday afternoon. Who do you like there? Yeah. Brock Purdy looks great. Um, yep. He did not look good against the Vikings, but has, has looked great lately. Christian McCaffrey scores every single game. Um, and they, they do seem to be picking up steam of late. Um, that said, they're going all the way eat to the East coast. Um, and, I just think Philadelphia has been head and shoulders, the number one team in the league this season. Now they win every week again, like Kansas city, like without blowing teams out and there's, there's, you know, one or two plays here or there could have gone the other way. And maybe they're not 10 and one, but they are 10 and one. And they have so many different ways to beat you. They're, they're good defensively. AJ Brown's been unbelievable. 
Hertz is it, it seems like is shaking off a little bit of whatever leg issues that he was dealing with earlier in the season. And so I'm going to take the home team, the Eagles, to win a tight one. But I think it's going to be a hell of a game because I love San Francisco. I love their toughness. I love the way that they're going about things right now. But I'll take the Eagles in a close one. I'm going to take the 49ers just because the Eagles, for all their strengths, they don't stop the pass very well. And with Debo Samuel healthy and Purdy playing well, I think the I think the 49ers are going to put up a ton of points. And I'm just not sure the Eagles will keep up in this game. But I think it's going to be close and a great game. Hey, thanks to everyone who listens. We do appreciate it. We'll be back next week to preview Vikings at Vegas. Thanks to John. Thanks to Brandon. Thanks to all of our sponsors and all of our listeners. Uh, hey, thanks for listening to TalkNorth.com.